Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Strive Stronger podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and we amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Today, we're talking about long COVID. In an interview I did with Dr. Tom Buckley, he's Associate Professor at Sydney University, the Strive Stronger Research Director, we talk about what is long COVID, who is at risk of long COVID, and if you get COVID, what to do. We talk about pulsing, combination of science and practical experience to help people bounce back. And, and just before we listen to that episode, I just want to emphasize that we are working with a lot of people behind the scenes on this, and it really does make a difference when you bring in the pulsing. Let's listen to the interview. Let's talk about long COVID. I'm going to quote an article, a recent article in The Australian. According to the Office for National Statistics in the UK, 1.5 million people, or about 2.2% of the population, had long COVID symptoms over the new year, many times the number who have died. The symptoms include fatigue, shortness of breath, loss of taste and smell, and difficulty concentrating, often term brain fog, but also palpitations and nausea. Later in the article, it says the size of the economic hit in the UK is nearly impossible to forecast. If 100,000 people were unable to work due to long COVID, that would be 0.4% of the workforce. A total hit of 0.4% of GDP would cost the UK economy over $18 billion a year. What do you term long COVID? Yeah, I, I think time time is useful and, and the different studies have measured at four weeks, five weeks, 12 weeks, five months, seven months. Um, and you see slightly different variation in the symptoms. I mean, some symptoms just seem to go on. What differentiated from acute COVID is that the symptoms are no longer directly associated with the infection. It's no longer breathlessness for or a fever. The immune system has dealt with the infection, but we get these prolonged symptoms. The most prominent one tends to be fatigue or people talk about brain fog. But, but about 70% of people who report long COVID also report high levels of anxiety or mood swings or difficulty concentrating. It really is a, a group of symptoms that very closely mirror chronic fatigue. Well, that's the only thing in our research when we dug in that some of the treatment is similar to some of the treatment for chronic fatigue. But like chronic fatigue... There's so many other variables. Right? It's not cut and, and dried. If this is exactly what you do, it's not like that. No, it's not. And I think we also have to appreciate that we don't fully understand chronic fatigue either. Um, and it's often a lot of trial and error in treatments. And, uh, and we don't always manage to resolve chronic fatigue in individuals. Often people learn to live with it and manage to stay functioning and know when not to push, etc. So what we do know is over time, the symptoms decrease in volume in, in the population. So if 40% of the population have fatigue at five months, it's down to 20% at, say, 12 months. You know, so we're beginning to understand that for most people, these things are resolving. Yeah. But we don't know at three years, five years, at what percentage of them. A lot of the people I'm working with or around me in other circles that have prolonged symptoms called long COVID are often very busy, high-flying, middle-aged individuals. Um, and the research is showing that too. Similar to when I first started working with people with chronic fatigue, Tom, many years ago, 
And, and you say to someone, so what's the hardest thing about chronic fatigue? There's obviously the fatigue and not being able to train and going to functions and wanting to go to bed, but it's the psychology around that as well. Yeah. Is yeah. the the self-worth, the lack of confidence, yeah. then that leads to a reduced self-efficacy. And, and then it can really spiral long-term. You can have anxiety. And, and we haven't seen this in our clients, but I'm reading about this, is depression. So you've got some, someone who's... You know, been at the top of their game mm. and then they're, they're trying to to approach the treatment on this like they've done with everything else like when i've worked with some chronic fatigue people and it, it 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 often goes away when you do a multifaceted approach like we do but when you can't put your finger on it and you're used to being in control mate that does your head in yeah i, I think perceptions of control are, are really really important here the type of individuals i've seen we we not all, but a lot of them with, with what we call long COVID symptoms are people who are used to, you know, if I put all these inputs in, I get these outputs. You know, if I really work on my nutrition, I feel better. If I do a liver detox, I, I sleep better. They're used to being in control of their well-being. Plus, a lot of these people, in fact, all the people we're working with on long COVID collectively, you and I working on a, a three-pronged approach we'll get to, They've got really good PQ. They've got yeah. good performance yeah. intelligence. Yeah. So they know their heart rate variability. They know their resting heart rate. They know how they respond to nutrition. But they're students of human performance, and that's even more frustrating. And in most humans, it's predictable. If we do this, we get this. And then suddenly, post-COVID, they're putting in all the inputs. It's not working. Mm. It's not you know they're not getting the outputs they're used to, and that lack of response or lack of control can really be deflating and really can, it really can mess up with people's mindset. If you're out of control and you feel like you're now a passenger on this journey, um, then then it really can lead to very negative thinking. I've been quoting stoicism with a number of these clients, and they look at me, they look at you like we're weird, and you and I are. In a good way, we're weird. I speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is actually, it's a, it's a very different approach to long COVID, uh, yeah. to slow down. You've got to recover. You've got to allow your body, your brain. And, and it's also sitting with it. The only framework I can think of, and I'm going into psychology, but when we look at Barbara Fredrickson's broaden and build theory, mm -hmm. I like when I first heard that. It says in, in any part of our lives, you're going to have some negative thoughts, but you learn to live with that. And I think what we're trying to teach people with long COVID is you've just got to embrace this, try and slow down, trust us in the process and hope that your body and brain is going to take care of itself. But that's, I, I can get it. If I was in that situation myself, Tom, I'd freak out. Yeah, and, and I think I would too. I mean, I, I might freak out a little less now that I know some of the approaches to, to dealing with this. And I, so I'd probably... I'd probably move into that different thinking that, okay, the usual things here, I've got to switch my thinking a bit because the risk factors for getting COVID are not the same risk factors for long COVID. Yep. And as soon as you appreciate that and say, okay, so this is not about blaming myself. This is just where I'm at. There are some physiological and psychological constructs at play here. And as soon as you start to think about what they are and get proactive in dealing with them, then you can come back into control of things again. Mm. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing with clients is very much about, okay, so we're moving from here to here. This is what we're going to try next. This is what we're going to try next. So you're creating um, a structure for navigating through. And, and the reality is that a lot of people will get better. Most people will get better. 
The question that's unknown is how soon, and the problem that, that I see for a lot of people, and you and I would be the same, is that we would tend to be impatient but if and we'd running, want if you, it now. So if you're running your own business and you're taking it through IPO, well, that's your vision. If you're running a, a big or if you're involved in a publicly listed company and every quarter you have yep. a reporting season, yeah. that's big stuff hanging over you, really big stuff. Now, allow me, please, to sound intelligent again because I believe there's a three-pronged approach Two, treating people with long COVID. And yes, I got this from you. Number one is regain organ function. Number two, wash out inflammation, particularly through sweating to get rid of the cytokines. And number three, fire up the mitochondria. Now, the underscore on this is you wouldn't want to go and do this if you've got heart problems. Yeah, well, the number one is exactly that. Number one is just, you know, if you had a fire in your house, you'd, you'd go and assess what damage there is and go and assess the structure. You have to remember that COVID is like a fire in the body and it's been in different organs and yeah, we, we have got plenty of reports of people having like scarring in the lungs or inflammation or even scarring in the heart and can happen in other organs in the body and the kidneys as well. So so the first thing, that's why number one for me is about just assessing where the organs are. So my approach there is to check out physiologically where, where a person's at. What's their kidney function like? What's their liver function like? And what's their oxygenation like? Are they excreting acids out of the body properly? So, you know, a lot of that can be done through pathology. But if there is any cardiovascular vascular symptoms at all, I'll want to make sure that there's not um, a cardiovascular inflammation, pathology, myocarditis, something like that. So, so number one for me is about making sure that there's no ongoing infection at the moment, that the immune system has done its job and the levels are coming back into normal zone. So just making sure that this acute phase is truly over if it's going to be over. I'm going to interpret just a little bit for someone listening to this going, whoa, <laughs> what did he go through then? Dr. Tom gets people to go get a full blood pathology and he ticks the panel and you're looking at inflammation markers, looking at what's happening to blood sugar levels, just to see what's happening in the system. Yeah. And if you're worried about someone with a family history or if they are reporting any chest pain, yeah. you go and they get a, a heart check. There, I want to make sure that the heart's functioning properly, that the rhythm is regular, normal, and that the ventricles are pumping the way they should. Because what you don't want to do is introduce challenges or stress or challenges into somebody and actually trigger them to have a heart attack or trigger them to have something way worse than what they have. You do not want to throw more stress into a stressed body because the weakest points or the most vulnerable points are, are going to show up first. What's number two? How do you wash out and remove the cytokines and, and get people in a very different space. There's two arms to that. One, you, you need to get the liver working really well. If I see results in the blood that indicate the liver is sluggish or struggling, um, then I really want to get the liver working better. And then I'll want them to sweat them out with it. With a sauna. And I recently asked you to go and look into saunas, the difference between the traditional Swedish or Finnish sauna and the infrared sauna. Before you came back to me on a report, you'd bought an infrared sauna. I take that as a thumbs up. Yeah, because it's more energy efficient. <laughs> to have a sauna at home, you need you need one that's, you know, you don't have to wait two hours for it to heat up and it's reasonably energy efficient and it's compact and small and infrared ticks all those boxes. It's important to sweat from the inside out. So going into a steam room is not the answer here. The studies on, on longevity, you come four years of studies from Finland. They've been traditional Finnish sauna. They haven't been infrared. But the physiological mechanism, it's logical and a lot of the experts would agree that the the physiology response to infrared sauna would be the same as the, the finished one. Number three, fire up mitochondria. 
Ooh, we're going to talk Krebs cycle, ATP, PC, and can I go back to the only time I've actually heard Krebs cycle made sexy was Dr. Paul Batman. Hello, Paul. I'll make sure I send you an episode of this, mate, <laughs> uh, back when I studied exercise physiology. But can you explain a little bit about what's happening with mitochondria first, then how you fire it up? The mitochondria, they're the energy, it's the energy making part of the cell. Remember, we're billions of cells and every cell has to make energy, whatever its function is, maybe to contract the muscle, maybe to have clarity in the brain and think or maybe to blink your eye you know you all, all these things the energy uh, we made that energy in the mitochondria of the cell we need glucose molecules mostly we need oxygen and then to fire up like you would your car you need to create the energy in there what we see here in long COVID is that um, it seems like the mitochondria goes sluggish and that would help to explain a lot of the fatigue mm. and sort of foggy brain and some of the symptoms we get. We make sure there's nothing medically going on. We try and get the inflammation down and all the inflammatory mark, uh, cytokines out of the body because they all, they all get in the way of creating energy. And then we want to try and fire up the mitochondria. We want to try and get those mitochondria back to being not their normal efficiency. Best way to do that? That's the loaded question. And there's a lot of trials at the moment looking at different sort of proteins and supplements and amino acids to try and do that. Um, we definitely got to move. We've got to try and move them. Um, we've got to do it. but without flogging But not stress. Yeah. Very measured, very purposeful, measured exercise, measuring recovery, stimulation, recovery, stimulation, recovery. And then there are some supplements that we can use. Um, there is a, a, a series of case studies now showing potential effectiveness of hyperbaric oxygen chambers. Mm. This this is all being you know, tried and tested and shown to work quite well in many people with chronic fatigue. I think there's potential for other things like cold therapy as well. Um, the evidence is not quite emerged yet on that. The challenge um, on cold, because, you know, I get at my keynotes now, I get everyone to have a cold shower and I have men and women coming up to me after Oh, that cold shower. Andrew, it's killing me. Where do you live? I live in the Gold Coast. That's not a cold shower. That's yeah. like a lukewarm <laughs> shower. So if you can't do that, you're not going to go to a three-minute ice bath. But if you're not wanting to build a lot of stress into the system, it's probably not the time to go into a three-minute ice bath, is it? It's probably not the time to go and do cryotherapy. But you could... Basically, depending where you live, a cold shower might be a, a, an okay way to start. Yeah, I think a cold, cold shower, a cold shower, you know, a short cold shower can be quite invigorating and actually promote energy and um, stimulate lots of lots of um, uh, hormones in the body. Um, we don't want to add more stresses, but but we kind of do have to do these little micro stresses to sort of trigger the mitochondria into action. I'm I'm just a bit more anxious about the cryotherapy. Mm. I, I like to see, yeah, a long time ago, and I have to admit, I found it quite unpleasant. It, it's a weird feeling. It's like yeah. you're, it's like you're a paddle pop being stuck in the freezer. Yeah. It's, it is bizarre. So, yeah. I, I think with some of the people we're working with who are struggling with cold showers, there's no way we accelerate them into cryotherapy or ice. No, but if 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 evidence emerges over the next couple of months that it does show to have beneficial physiological effects, then I would start promoting it. We're see, seeing that with the other, our other approaches. So I think for me, it's quite important to be as scientifically based as, po as possible. I wouldn't be promoting people go into ketosis. You know, you're adding another stressor into the body. But there are, there are a lot of experts in this area that think intermittent fasting could have a role to play here in firing up the mitochondria. Um, I, I 
would reserve until I see evidence. There are a lot of people out there saying, oh, this, do this, do this, do this, and they're all well-intentioned. Um, I tend to want to follow the evidence and also sort of follow what would be plausible physiologically with people. And I do think with long COVID, there won't be one answer for everybody. Um, and it'll also depend on what prior exposures you've had and what your tolerances are to some of the activities and even some of the supplements that I would use. So the three-pronged approach to summarise, number one, regain organ function. Two, wash out the inflammation, especially with saunas. Three is fire up the mitochondria with a whole lot of strategies. Could be cold water. It's movement, but not too much. Can I also say, if anyone's listening to this, get some help or some support? Yeah, yeah. I, I think absolutely critical. I mean, I think, you know, if I was somebody with long COVID, I would go with somebody to coach me through all of this because there would be a tendency to go extreme with stuff. There would be a tendency to push hard um, and do too much of it. Um, you really, and you, you might be blinded to some of the negative effects it's giving you by doing too much or being overexposed. Hey, it's Andrew, and we hope you enjoyed that episode. We would really appreciate it if you helped us amplify the Strive Stronger with Andrew May podcast by sharing episodes with colleagues and friends and going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help us get this message out to a wider audience. And if you would like to know more about how Strive Stronger uplifts teams through optimizing human performance and well-being, make sure you check out strivestronger.com. And if you'd like to know more about my personal practice, Focusing on all things human performance, go to andrewmade.com where you can explore the books I have written, including MatchFit, which has now sold over 85,000 copies, or book me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite. Or if you'd like to really turbocharge your business and personal success and wake up to a better way of living, working and leading, check out my brand new evidence-based Human Performance Academy that starts in July. I'm really, really looking forward to getting that going. And if you'd like to receive regular updates from me each month, make sure you subscribe to my monthly e-newsletter, the AM edition.